You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. So it turns out we have a good team. Which is kind of fun to watch. First of all, what a difference a week makes, man. When last time we were here, they they dropped some games they probably should have won to, to division rivals. In the time that we last met, they won that last game against Cleveland. Giolito looked awesome. All right. And then they bum slayed in Kansas City. Well, you got to get fat off of teams like that, and that's exactly you what ha- We did. were talking they about... We beat them. So we were hanging out at brunch at Unidad on Sunday, which... Awesome Quavos Rancheros, by the way. They were fantastic. <laughs> but anyway, we were hanging out at Unidad. We had the game on the cell phones. I was saying a couple of times, like, yeah, we, it was the, the it was game three of the three-game series. I'm, we were just like, yeah, you got to win this game. You got to get fat and happy off this team. And they did. They, they got very fat and very happy. And then they go and win a come-from-behind game against the Brewers last night. And this episode of Socks in the Basement brought to you by Family Waterproofing Solutions, Serving Northern Illinois and Northwest Indiana, Southside Business, veteran-owned, family-owned, female-owned, a portion of the proceeds from every job going to veteran and first responder organizations, and they have socks in the basement deals. Get more info, FAMWS.com. Let's talk about the Brewers game on Monday night, because the Monday night Brewers game gave me more hope than anything I've seen since the season began. Tell me why. Okay, well, first of all, I could have a lot of hope over the fact that Timmy Anderson unfortunately goes down, but it gives the team the opportunity to put Luis Robert in the leadoff spot, and he should never leave the leadoff spot again. No, no. <laughs> oh, my God. Robert number one and Mankata number two? He's so are you, deadly. Are you kidding Teams me? Teams don't know what to do with them when they come around, and then a Braves sitting in the three spot, and then you got to run through the middle of the order. Like you, It's crazy. Because you can't take a Braves lightly. A Braves no. starting to come around. And then, and then you get into the six and seven spot where you got to deal with Eloy Jimenez. And the debate now is when Anderson comes back, do you put him in the one spot again? I say no. No, drop him down. Put him seven, dude. All that, all that. Drop him behind all Eloy. That, all that work that he did, all that great work that he did last year, he did that in the seven, in the six yeah. and seven he, spot. He, put him there. He hit so much better when he was a little bit lower in the lineup. I'd have no problem with bumping him all the way down no. and just being deadly from one through seven. I would just absolutely, like, here's the thing, though. But besides that, besides the fact the pitching staff the second time around looked a lot better than the first time around through the rotation, besides all of that, on Monday night, the White Sox played a game that felt like a playoff game. Craig Council is a good manager. Milwaukee Brewers might be beat up a little bit. Lorenzo Cain opted out. You know, Ryan Braun's on the DL. Uh, Christian Yelich not up to the best start. But you had a lot of strategy going on and a manager in Council that was trying to outmanage Ricky Renteria. And right. we've never seen Ricky Renteria have to manage a ball game in that manner before. And I was so encouraged to watch him do some things that you wouldn't expect a Ricky Renteria to do. Would you have expected last year Ricky Renteria saying, I'm going to intentionally walk the bases loaded so that I can bring Christian Yelich to the plate for a lefty-lefty matchup with Jace Fry. And then it works (laughs) out where he strikes him out looking. 
And the reason he does it that way is the second guy that is up in Jace Fry's three minimum that he has to face is the intentional walk. And he has to face three batters. So that's an awful lot of planning to sit there and say, okay, I want Fry to, I want Fry to pitch to this guy. Then I want him to pitch to Yelich. But I really don't care what he does with guy number two. And if I have to leave him in there, just intentionally walk that guy because I just want him to face these two guys here. And that is, that is some strategery right there that I don't expect out of a Ricky Ranteria. Oh, yeah. And now, and, and here's the thing. I've been tough on the guy. I've been, I've been brutal on the guy. But he pulled all the right levers. He pushed all the right buttons. Levers? In that game. Yes, are levers. We, are you British now? That's how excited I am. Okay. I'm just, dropping in a different dialect. Just saying. You're making up words. You're you're talking and you're speaking in tongues. I'm speaking in tongues. This this team has me speaking in tongues because you watched Renteria do everything right. And then you watched the other manager make a mistake. Yeah. You watched Council leave a pitcher in against Jose Abreu, who the last time Abreu had seen him, he got 11 pitches off him in a long at-bat. That was a great at-bat, by the way. It ended in, it ended, it ended in Abreu striking out, but that was such a great yes, at-bat. But I that at-bat resulted that. in a two-run game-tying home run later because yes. Abreu had seen everything that could have been thrown to him by that pitcher, and you could see him in the dugout after he hit the two-run home run basically telling the entire dugout, I knew that was coming and he wasn't going to throw that by me again. And he destroyed that baseball dead center. And that didn't just clear the wall was it the- that hit the, that hit the scaffolding. That would be like where a second deck would have been. It was great. But that was, but the thing I liked most about the game was you get a problem. Your pitcher gets a stiff neck. We'll talk about that here in a little bit with Carlos Rodan. You, you get all of these problems and Renteria pressed all the right buttons and I have said it all along, this is now the testing ground for Ricky Renteria. This is when we find out, is he worth being the manager of the White Sox? It's just one game. Yeah, but it was a he, good He has pissed me showing. off with his lineups, but it almost felt like at some point somebody sat down with him and said, Ricky, Grandal can DH. You, you could put him in the DH spot. That seems to have been fixed. Ricky, you need to do this with your lineup. Like the lineup woes seem to have been fixed. And I don't one think one way or another, one way or another, either Renteria wanted it that way and overruled Han or Han talked to Ricky and said, what the hell are you doing? But everybody's on the right page now with it. And it's obvious that Mazar and Engel are going to be used the exact same way we used them in our sim season. Whether you agree with it or not, Mazar against righties, Engel against, Engel lefties. against lefties. And that's what it's going to be going forward. They're, they're going to be a platoon. They created a ball player out of these two guys. You know what else that I'm really enjoying about this team right now, Chris? Depth. The depth that you have. You've got Anderson out of the lineup. You've had him out of the lineup for the past few games now. And they're still putting up six, seven, eight, nine. You don't miss a beat. Larry Garcia. No. For for how much I didn't want him at second base, because I think he's a defensive liability there. Uh, he's he's good as a fill-in role. If somebody was sitting there telling me, well, Larry's going to be starting second base the entire season, I'd have a problem with it. If he's going to be the Swiss Army knife, as we've called him now for over a year, that's what his role should be, and he's going to move about and be able to play infield, outfield, wherever you need him, and bring his bat and his switch hittingness. I mean, like, that's what I want. That's a new word, switch hittingness. Switch hittingness? <laughs> no, but it's just... His switch hittery. It's... <laughs> Jesus <laughs> For the second straight week, we are going to do a segment that may become a regular thing here on Socks in the Basement. 
It's now time once again for Let's Have an Irrational White Sox Argument. And for the second straight week, we are joined by one of the core members of the section down the right field line near the foul pole, the world-famous Section 108. Find them on Twitter, at From the 108. They are the drunk uncles of White Sox Twitter. I call them the kings of White Sox Twitter, and that's where you see all of the irrationality of White Sox fans, and it's a blast to watch. Socks in the Basement's on White Sox Twitter, at Socks in the Basement. And joining me for a second straight week, my Sox Summer. How are you, my friend? Good. What's up, Chris? All right, so last week we get a bunch of people that are totally into this segment. I I was surprised by it. Uh, It turns out there are a lot of irrational White Sox fans. I have an irrational statement to make to you, and we'll see whether or not you can argue with that irrational statement, and then maybe I'll be able to come up with a few more off the top of my head. So here we go. This week's irrational statement to you, my friend, is this. Nikki Delmonico has naked pictures of someone if Luis Alexander Basabi can be DFA'd, and so can Yerman Mercedes, but he is still on this team. <laughs> Am I irrational? I don't think you're irrational. I, I think that the the problem is is you're you have to look at the team that just finally DFA'd Carson Fulmer after he had been around for what seems like 17 years trying to like get some control over the ball. So I I don't know if we know the entire story on Basave yet. There might be something there that we don't know, but I, the Sox love to give chances, and Delmonico is, uh, is proof of that. I have another irrational one, though, that I just came up with, and, and I, I, wanted, I want to know what you think about this. So, Ozzie Guillen's on-air partner just got let go <laughs> by NBC Sports, which is a shame because she was so talented. And, but that's what happens. They just seem to just run them out every year or two, and, and they and they bring in another pretty face. And she was far more than a pretty face. And, and, but oh, but yeah. this this is my irrational statement. The pregame show will now just be a half hour of Ozzie Guillen uh, drooling over ball players that he wants to manage and finding a way to uh, point out all of Ricky Renteria's mistakes. Am I irrational? <laughs> Man, first. Layla, we love Layla. Layla did uh, three things like you are. You're a veteran of the same show. Um, and, yeah, I, I, I can't argue that either. I don't know. Like, last night, Ozzy stated that he was going to – or Carlos Renan's hurt. He might be out for a year or two. We'll let you know. Or something <laughs> like something like that. Like, it wasn't like he's going to be out for, like, a game or something. He's going to be out for a year or two. And I, I – I, I can't. I can't argue that. I, I, there's a really good, you know, possibility that that is exactly what he's going to do for pre and post game, and just totally trash the White Sox while he's doing it. All right, final irrational thing that I'm going to tell you because I want to get to the root question here. We had on Monday night's game. We watched Ricky Renteria pull all the right levers, hit all the right buttons, while Craig Council left a pitcher in a little bit too long, and Jose Abreu mm-hmm. ties up a ball game. Is Ricky Renteria now the future manager of the year? <laughs> okay. It's all going to come down to the last series. If we win the last series, yes, he's manager of the year. If we lose the last series, he is not manager of the year. Because it clearly is his managing uh, decisions are clearly based only on if they win or they lose. 
It has nothing else. It, you can't say, ah, oh, well, you know, he, he played the averages and he did something right. It is, no, it, it's just, it just comes down to wins and losses, man. No, man, you're wrong on that one. I'm going to tell you, I looked at White Sox Twitter last night, at least 50%, even, even after Yelich struck out. There were 50% of White Sox Twitterers sitting there saying it was still the wrong decision to intentionally walk to get to him, but he still sucks as a manager. It could possibly be what Rick Hahn says happens all the time. The fans rather would rather be right than win. Wow. Shot across the bow in defense of Rick Hahn right there. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, listen, we're winning. We've won. We've won what? Like, up it's Tuesday. We've won, like, five games or six games in a row. Listen, we're going to the postseason. We're going to run through everything, and we're going to win the COVID World Series and then have to listen to Cubs fans tell us that it didn't count when we all know it it actually counts. That's what's going to happen. Chris, (laughs) you have crystal balls, my friend. You have crystal balls. (laughs) Okay, follow the 108 at From the 108. They've also got a podcast. They do blogs, and they're the drunk uncles of White Sox Twitter. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk soon. Thank you. I'll do it again. Socks in the Basement listeners, do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South Side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit Red Wing Shoes in Evergreen Park and New Lenox, a work boot specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota, and one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, with a sister store available to you at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. We don't know for sure as we sit down and talk right now, and I'm sure by the time the show comes out, it's going to be obvious what happened, but I was encouraged that originally they were saying it was Rodon's shoulder, and now they're saying his neck was a little stiff. And it was a Renteria decision, even though he wasn't he wasn't acting like it was that big of a deal, but his velocity was down because his neck was bothering him. So hopefully it's got nothing to do with that shoulder, and this is like something he strained something, and he's going to sit down for about 10 days and let a muscle work itself out, and it's not like the end of the world because one more major injury to him, and that's it for him. Right. I mean, you're not going to see him walk around in a White Sox uniform, let alone I don't know if he's ever really going to have a Major League Baseball pitching career. So now here's the thing. I want to know who you want in the five spot Coming up here now, because we're going to have a game. We need to have a pitcher ready for Saturday against the Cleveland Indians. And so the suggestion last night by Benetti and Stone was, well, of course, Ross Detweiler, big, big boss Ross, is going to be the guy you put in there. I want to say no to that. I disagree with that idea. And let me tell you why. First of all, he's leading the team in walks and hits per innings pitched at this point with a 0.24. He basically retires everybody that he faces. He's got seven strikeouts over eight and a third inning. He's got five appearances, though. He is not a starting pitcher. He's shown that he's not a starting pitcher over 14 no, starts last year. No. He's doing great, though, in short little spurts where you can put him in to mow down guys for an inning or two. He looks great that way. What are you going to do? You're going to have him pitch through the first time through the order? Because they were like, well, you know, he won't have to pitch the third time somebody sees him. He won't go a third time through the order. I have a worry about him going a second time through the order. So what you do here is 
Well, like you said, if you're going to start Big Boss Ross, you got to put him on a short leash. That's got to be a really short start. You got to be you better you better be prepared to have a fresh bullpen that day because he is not going to give you he's not going to give you 6 innings. You're lucky to get 4 or 5 out of him. So, if you're going to start Big Boss Ross on Saturday, bullpen be ready, right. all right? Because you're going to be worked. All right. And we were talking about this at brunch on Sunday um, over the fantastic Huevos Rancheros. At, they don't at, even advertise on this show. I think Unidad. it's brilliant that you keep jumping all over Unidad. <laughs> well, it, it's, it's, it's good food. It's good people. But anyway, anyway, I'm just trying. Listen, man, I'm trying to help local business. Unidad, Unidad Evergreen Park near the corner of uh, 95th and Homan. Anyway. We, really good Latin food. We were okay. We got it out there for we you. We were talking. They gave about, him a fifteen percent discount. Dave just drooled over the whole thing, and he can't stop. No, I was drooling over the huevos right. rancheros. Okay. But anyway, the point is, we were talking about how we've noticed the bullpen being a lot more heavily used this year than in years past, and right. you're going to do that because you have the extra pitchers available to you because it's a sixty-game season, so every game matters. So if you're going to start Ross. Count on a short three, four inning start just to have him get you through those first two times through the order and then let the bullpen take over. Um, can, can I can I inject a better idea, though? Yeah, because I have one, too. I, I think Dane Dunning should be yes, brought up. And yes. I think he should I be starting. Gonna say, I was going to say the same thing. Let Dane Dunning get that start. That way you don't that way you don't mess with the mojo that the bullpen has got going on right now. And I don't think they're going to make the move. They might before you before this show comes out. But I don't think you have to make the move until you get to actual Saturday, but I wouldn't mind seeing Dunning come out. And there's been a suggestion of, well, you know, you saw what happened to Rodon. You don't want to have Dunning get hurt. You saw what happened to Lambert. You had these three guys, they all had injuries, and now they're starting in this shortened season, and two of them already are injured. And it was really sad to see that Jimmy Lambert was moved to the 45-day injured list. Uh. So you didn't have to DFA Nicky Delmonico, and you could just send down... Yerman Mercedes. I mean, like that whole oh, move man. was made so that you could keep things at 40 by extending his time on the IL. There's a concern of, well, now you're going to hurt this third guy, this third pitcher we have that's coming off injury. Just keep him in a glass case. And I think that that's just being scared. Don't be scared to use the guy. Okay. If the guy says he's ready, if the doctor says he's ready, let him go out and pitch. If you're concerned about it, don't overwork him. And big boss Ross can be tandem to him. You want to do that. You want to sit there and say, okay, fine. We're going to let Dunning go out. And we don't expect him to go more than five innings. We're not even going to try to get him a quality start, but we want him to lay the base as a starter. And then we can go to a Foster or a Detweiler, two guys that have been able to show that they can pitch for a couple of innings and hold a team down. Right. That, which has been a really nice revelation. That's something you didn't even expect this year, right? You just kind of looked at this bullpen and you thought to yourself, okay, well, fine. We we need to get to the guys in the back end, the Bummers, the C-Shecks, who's been a garbage fire since he got here. Okay, and hopefully he can get that stink off him that he's got on because right now he's not looking very good. Oh, no. You, you were hoping that Colome would be would be a good closer at the back end, but you didn't think of yourself, okay, we've got all this depth in our rotation or, or in our bullpen. There, we just, we're going to have guys who are going to be able to come out and eat innings when a starting pitcher can't do it. You've got a couple guys that have shown it so far. In fact, your two most effective pitchers so far, statistically, have been Detweiler and Foster. We saw Foster and Detweiler both in that in that game on Monday night just take over after Rodon went down. So you have the ability to do this. I want to see Dane Dunning come up and get the start. I would have wanted Jimmy Lambert moved into the rotation 
if he were still okay and didn't get himself hurt. That would have been a guy I would have said, bring him in, let him start on Saturday. So you have these guys, use these guys. He looked good when he was warming up. He's still getting work in in Schaumburg. You're stretching him out to be a starter. That's the guy I'd like to see them bring in on Saturday, Dave. You know, a guy that you mentioned that I was, you know, that I'd watched pitch over the, a guy you didn't mention that I had watched pick over, pitch over the weekend, Evan, Evan Marshall, man. Where'd this guy yeah, come from? He looks from? good, but he was looking good last year. Too. He was looking good yeah. last year, but he's looking even he's looking even better this year. I mean, th- this guy's figured it out, man. It was <laughs> it was really a thing of beauty to watch him. Uh, it's been a thing of beauty to watch him pitch this year. And Dave, I'd be remiss if we got to the end of this thirty minutes of socks this week, and I didn't tell everybody August the twenty second. You have to come out and join us. Myself and Dave will do pregame and hang out during the game. Sox, Cubs on the 22nd of August at Jack's Place, 7000 West Southwest Highway. Food, libations, video gaming, and the game you want to watch every night during this exciting 60-game season over at Jack's Place. They got flat screens everywhere. Interior setup, safe, clean. Going to be a lot of fun. Private video gaming room away from the cheers of those watching the game. So you can go show up, hang out with us, do a little gambling, come back, watch the game. They're open 11 a.m. every Tuesday through Sunday. They close at midnight on weekdays and 2 a.m. on Friday and Saturday nights. And like I said, we are live there before the game and during Sox versus Cubs Saturday, August 22nd. I found a giant box of Sox in the basement koozies that I ordered and picked up right before the shutdown. I didn't even remember I had it. Those are coming there. I got a big giant box of the Socks in the Basement bottle opener keychains. They're coming. And I've got an order in, hoping to have them there, the ever-popular Socks in the Basement trucker hat. The 22nd, make your plans now. Jack's Place, Chicago Ridge, 7000 Southwest Highway. Jack's Place is your place this season. What surprises you the most? (sighs) What is more impressive to you between... I'm going to give you two lines. Okay. Two players and two lines. You tell me... Which one just makes you makes your heart flutter just a little bit? They both make your heart flutter, but which one makes your heart flutter more? Are you going to give me the names of the players? Yeah, I'm going to give you the, give me the, the lines. I'm going to give you the names of the player. Okay, Luis Robert, over ten games and forty at bats, hitting three fifty with a four oh nine OBP, a five seventy five slugging percentage, and a nine eight four OPS right out of the gate as a rookie. Or Yoan Moncada, over nine games and thirty seven at bats. Hitting 351 with a 442 OBP, a 595 slugging percentage, and a 1036 OPS. Which one is it? Is it Mancata that you're like he's going to be an MVP candidate if not this year, but very soon? It wasn't fake last year. He's really good. Or is it Robert when you sit there and think to yourself, if this is real, <laughs> if this we is have, real, we have Mike Trout and we have him for a decade. Like we, like I mean, because like I was trying to explain it to my son Dominic yesterday. Or we're sitting on the couch watching the game, and we're talking about Robert. And I go, he can do everything. He can run. He can field. He can he can hit for power. He, he is hit for average. He's, he a, is, he he's is a true the, five. He's tool a player. true five tool player. He's yeah, a, and he's got baseball instincts beyond his years and experience in Major League Baseball, where he's making decisions at the plate and in the field that show a high baseball acumen. You know, that's the thing we always talked about. And we've yelled about it ever since we started this show. The Minnesota Twins always had guys that knew how to play baseball. Right. That understood the little things. 
and how to play the game the right way. Like oh, he yeah. seems to just understand how to do the little things when he's out there. Like this is this is fun because this show this is everything you wanted and more, and it seems to be working out. And I I, I know I'm getting way too excited about it because they're probably on their way to a ten game losing streak. <laughs> and poor Luis Roberts going to run into a wall, and then he'll never be the no, same again. Him, no, that's Jimenez who uh, does that. I'm just I'm just I'm frightened now. I want to put them all in bubble wrap so they never get hurt. You know, every time some, you know, it's funny. Every time so, one of them tweaks something, like like Mancata came around third base and was shaking out his leg. Oh yeah, there was I saw absolute that. panic on White Sox Twitter. Like, ah, it's all over I because am, we're so worried something bad's gonna happen. So to answer the question, damn, with as good as Robert has been in the first couple of weeks of the season, I have to go with my excitement is a little bit more. I have a little bit more excitement for what Mancata is doing at this point, only because you're seeing him now pick right up from where he left off last year. So he's proving to you that last year was not a fluke. He's arrived. Um, and I said it the first night I t- texted you the first game when Mancata hit the home run, I start, you know, texting you MVP MVP I think I personally am more excited a little bit about what Mankata is doing right now um I agree with you I think this dude will have he will have an MVP award on his mantle at some point in his career in a White Sox you know who else is gonna get one though the the other guy is gonna get one too that Robert Robert yeah he'll get one at some point because I, I this is how I described him to my son Dominic he goes, well, what, what do you, when was the last time you saw a guy do this who just came out of the gate and was just killing the ball? It's like Frank Thomas. Frank Thomas, Frank yeah. Thomas had a great eye when he first came up. Frank Thomas could hit the ball and everything like that. I said, this is Frank Thomas if Frank Thomas could run and play center field. <laughs> right, because like Frank, Frank Thomas <laughs> won very fast. But I mean, This is Frank Thomas if Frank Thomas could run and play center field. And that just gives you just chills when you sit there and you watch it. You go, this is the truth. The truth showed up. And he's play. How many times have you watched over the years while we're rebuilding, and we see these teams that bring up some guy who's going to be a phenom, and you go, "Why can't we get a guy like that? Why don't we have a guy like that in our system? Look at this guy; he's going to be amazing." And somehow, some way, look, the Cuban connection is the greatest thing the White Sox ever accomplished. Yeah. In the end, the Cuban connection is the greatest thing the White Sox have ever accomplished as an organization. The pipeline that originally brought you uh, Contreras, El Duque, because they wanted to play with each other. You know, they started bringing guys in that were Cuban players, okay, that eventually got you Alexei Ramirez, who only showed up because of those two guys, that eventually got you Jose Jose Abreu, Abreu. who only showed up because of Alexei Ramirez, and now has produced for you being able to get Yoan Moncada, who's excited and comfortable, even though you got him in a trade, he's excited and comfortable to be there. And Luis Robert, who comes to your team and could have gone anywhere that he wanted to go, comes to your team and signs a long-term deal because he wants to be there forever within this thing. The Cuban connection has been one of the greatest accomplishments that is an organization that, that the White Sox have ever done. And to piggyback off that a little bit, particularly with the Jose Abreu thing. Oh, and I left out, I'm sorry, Yasmani Grandal came here. Because of the Cuban connection. Okay. I, I leave that out because you forget that. <laughs> right. But but that's also, you get that big free agent 
that starts the dominoes falling to be able to get Keuchel, to be able to go out and get Encarnacion, to be able to go get these guys that you filled in. You got that first big piece in this offseason because of that Cuban connection. We made fun of Jose Abreu's contract negotiation skills or lack thereof last season when this was all going on. Because you remember, he was he was like, I'm playing for the Sox, whatever. You know, he was like, I'll sign the contract tomorrow. And we were all kind of like, Jose. <laughs> Jose, shut up. You, you stop. <laughs> You're dealing with Reinsdorf. He's going to pay you. He's Jose, gonna pay, let me give you Scotty Pippen's number. He's going to pay <laughs> you $16,000 a year if you keep this up. But but Stoney and Benetti had a brief conversation about it. I forget which game I was watching. It was either Sunday or Monday. But the consensus was between those two, Jose knew. Jose knew what was happening here. He knew who was coming up. He knew you had uh, a Robert coming up, and he knew what Mankata was going to be. And he had spent all this time here when the White Sox were bad, helping them build what you're seeing on the field right now. He wanted to be a part of it. And, and, and that's why you saw his, you know, such enthusiasm from him last year about just, yeah, hey, sign me. I, I just, here's where I want to be. I'm going to tell you something right now. And it's, it's, I feel weird laying out platitudes right now to the organization because there's still a lot of things about them that drive me nuts. This rebuild looks like something that is better than what the Chicago Cubs did on the north side and is more comparable to what the Houston Astros did. Yeah. In terms of real long-term sustainability where the Cubs deal with this window that almost feels like it's towards the end and could be closing soon, this feels more like how Houston built their team very, very long-term. And the only thing that derails it now is if the owner becomes a cheapskate. The only thing that derails this run that we could have over the next decade is an owner who gets cheap because he claims that he lost nine figures because of COVID, even though he's including profit in it. That, that, that's the only thing that derails this is Jerry Reinstorf. I want everybody right now to think about the happiness, the joy, and the hope that the last week has given you as a White Sox fan. More hope, joy, and happiness than you've had as a White Sox fan in a decade. This is The last time I felt good about this team was back when Ozzie Guillen was managing it. Yeah. And when they had, and they had just won a World Series. I don't, I, look, 2008, I never felt as excited. This team is more talented than the 08 team right now. They would beat them, oh, sweep them easily, in a, a seven-game series. Easily, they easily. would destroy them, th this team. This team right now could take that 08 team. They would beat the crap out of them. That team luckily backed into the postseason. This is the first time I've been this excited about a team, and I don't even know. It's not guaranteed they make the postseason, although it looks really good right now based upon the fact that everybody basically gets in. And there's no guarantee of how far they make, but it's going to be great experience for them. But I'm thinking about 21, 22, 23, 24. I'm talking about the fact that like I'm going to be out there with my kids who are going to be teenagers and I'm going to be at games with you where the place is packed wall to wall with people and we're going to be raising banners. And the only way that gets derailed is if the owner cheaps out. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.